could stand, we're going to go in our Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 2. Probably the last time for a bit. Been here for a month. Uh, I was planning on doing communion this morning. I like to do that at the beginning of the year. Look back and remember all the things God's done for us the past year. But uh, I have a problem with our shipping company. I ordered COVID friendly communion cups. Basically, they're, <laughs> they're uh, all individually packaged. You peel the top off and there's a wafer and whatever. It's all fancy. Um, but they, I don't know. They haven't got here yet. Someday they may. When we do, when they get here, maybe we'll have communion. But I'm um, fighting with the company about <laughs> shipping it. You know what that's like? Anyway, so uh, we'll do that sometime. Uh, in the future. Uh, maybe we won't even need those. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, so Luke chapter 2, verse 29 to 32 says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. Let's pray once more. Um, God will speak to us through his word today. Uh, in Jesus' name. God, we, oh, we're so grateful for your presence that's here and your anointing. God, I pray that you would continue to work. God, let your anointing continue to flow, anoint our ears to hear your word. And my I have to say uh, what you need me to say. In Jesus' name, I pray, speak to us today. God, help us to get our attention and focus on the right things. God, let your will be done in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can grab a seat for an hour and a half. You, I mean, yeah, it's going to be done. We'll be done in an hour and a half. You can, you can sit as long as you want. So, um... Like we said the, the last few weeks, um, we didn't have church last week, but um, poetry, we're going to wrap up our, our series on, on the poetry of the promised one. So poetry plays a, a big part in the Bible, and um, again, I know as we reread them, like we just read a piece of poetry, they don't seem like poems because they don't flow the way that we think they should, and because they've been translated and, and things like that. And, and when we come across in the Bible, it often goes undetected because it's not written in our style and some of the features are lost in translation. But poetry has always been a big part of worship in the life of the children of God. And it's a gift that God's given us to express ourselves to him, often in worship or prayer. And we're struggling right now because we come together and we want to sing poetry <laughs> to, together and um that's, it's always been a part of um, the life of children of the children of God. And um, it's scattered throughout the, the, book, the Bible. Um, there are books, whole books that are pieces or you know, poet, collections of poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Lamentations, all of these. And so um, they're all, it's all throughout the Bible. And um, whenever major events seem to happen, um, somebody breaks out the old poem. And so as we read or as we've read through the Christmas story, um, there, there's four um, pieces of poetry that we've come across 
And they're all after pretty big events in the story. you got Zacharias, which we've talked about, um, Mary, uh, and the angels showing up to the, the shepherds. What is with him? Wide awake now. Unbelievable. Um, and, now, and then Simeon's the, the last one. So the first, this first Sunday of the new year, we're going to wrap up with this last piece, which takes place 40 days after the birth of Jesus. I skimmed it and thought it was eight days, and I was all excited but this 33 days after, so I apologize for getting your hopes up for that. Um, and so far, we've had an angel show up to a priest named Zacharias. He can't speak for nine months, and then he and his elderly wife, they have a son, and when he names the baby John, he's able to speak again, and when he can speak, he breaks out in some sort of poetic prophecy about his baby and about the soon-coming Messiah. That's the first one, and while his wife... Elizabeth is pregnant six months along. Her cousin Mary, who's a virgin and shouldn't be having children, has an angel um, show up to her and tell her that she's going to have a baby and from the Holy Ghost and, and she's going to call him Jesus and she's, no, she's going to know this is true because her cousin, who's too old to have children, is currently with child. So Mary, to confirm what the angel has said is true, makes her way to Zacharias and Elizabeth's house. When she arrives... John, in his mother's womb, reacts to Mary being there. Elizabeth shouts out a blessing, um, very similar to how the, the angel greeted Mary in the first place. And Mary, seeing all this is true, she breaks out into um, a song of sorts. And then, nine months later, after she and her now husband Joseph have made their way to Bethlehem, she gives birth to this promised son, the Savior of the world, Jesus. And the night that he is born, there are some shepherds watching their flocks nearby, and so naturally, angels show up to them, and they break out in the shortest but most popular piece of poetry in the whole bunch. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So this is all that's happened now. We pick up the story. Things have settled down, and you know, if you've ever had a child, you know the first little bit's just crazy. It's a whirlwind of stuff happening. You're adjusting to having a baby. Uh, your sleep's all thrown off, and I know, you know, we write, or we sing carols about Jesus not crying and stuff. I don't think that's true. <laughs> he cried when he was a full-grown man, so I don't know about that. So I imagine Jesus was just a baby like the rest of us. That's the whole point of it. And so, so Mary and Joseph, they've been adjusting to all this stuff, and they don't have a place to live. They're, everything's all in an upheaval. And this is um, kind of where we, we pick it up. Um, things have kind of started to settle down. Now, it's been 40 days. They've got probably a routine going and all that. Uh, you know how it is when you have children. Stop looking at me. <laughs> so this is where the story is. And we're going to backtrack a little bit further for a second. In Leviticus 12... One to four. We're not going to read it. You can read it if you want. It's a law. Um, there are some laws about um, the, the birth of a child, um, the mother, the uncleanness thereof, and the purification necessary after such an occurrence. Uh, if you read, it's kind of very detailed. We're not going to read it, but you can read it if you want. But basically, for a son, um, you, for seven days, you're unclean, and then on the eighth day, um, there's the... <laughs> honoring of the covenant with Abraham, <laughs> you know what I mean, and they, that's when they name the child, 
And, um, and then 33 days go by and, and the, the mother is still considered unclean. And they had these sorts of laws, clean versus unclean. Um, this, I'm just letting you guys know, this is the reason why, behind why they're there 40 days. So um, there's, they have all these laws, clean versus unclean, partially for personal hygiene purposes, because uh, if you can imagine, personal hygiene wasn't the best in those days. And so people would quarantine or isolate at home for certain periods of time after certain events to prevent themselves or others from getting sick. And so depending on the reason, it could be anywhere from one day to 50 days. And during this time, they couldn't go to the temple or anything. And that's um, part of the reason why they're going. And the other part, uh, that's part of the reason why they, the laws are the way they are. And the other part is by incorporating this sort of thing into the daily lives, it was a constant reminder to them that God is holy and we aren't. And so that's, they lived this. And depending on the reason for their uncleanness, there would be a, there could be a ceremony or a sacrifice to be made afterward to pronounce themselves clean. Some things you just, you know, were just clean, you just washed and you were unclean until the evening. Other things you had to go and be, um, meet the priest. And so Sometimes it's as simple as washing yourself in your clothes, and other times you would have to bring a sacrifice and things like that. So this is what's going on. So Luke chapter 2 and 21, it says that when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus and, and was so named of the angel, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So for, for childbirth, um, Jesus has been born. Eight days go by, and then um, seven days go by, and then 33 is after that. 40 days total. For a girl, it's 14 and um, 66. So 80 combined um, because the daughter has the potential of being a mother herself. So she needs to be purified as well. So this is this is what it all is. And so Israelites, they were doing quarantines before it was cool. <laughs> and so for the first 7 or 14 days, depending on what kind of, if you had a boy or a girl, you, the mother couldn't do much of anything. And to be honest, they probably didn't want to. Um, they would be considered unclean, and then they, they would wash, but they would be forbidden from touching anything holy or going to the temple or whatever until the 40 or 80 days were up. And when their entire time was up, they would go to the temple and see the priest. And the mother would wash and go through a ceremony to pronounce herself officially clean again by the priest, and she'd be able to do everything she'd been able to do before. So this is what's happening. Mary is gone through all of this. It's been 40 days since Jesus was born, since the angels showed up to the shepherds, since she laid him in a manger and all of that. And now she and Joseph and Jesus have come to the temple to go through this ceremony to pronounce Mary clean again and to obey another law because why not do two at once? Exodus 13 and 2 says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So they're also going to sanctify which is funny, Jesus as the firstborn of Mary. And so they're killing two birds with one stone. Mary is going to be pronounced clean, and Jesus is going to be dedicated, which I think is funny. Um, but it's kind of cool how God honors his own word, even when it's himself. And so there were, there were two offerings available for this type of thing, one for the people who had much and one for the poor. So Leviticus... You know, they're all excited about these laws, but I just think it's interesting. Leviticus 12 and 8, it says, If she 
This is about the, the mother being purified, this whole chapter. And so if she not being able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons. Not like turtle doves, not <laughs> ninja turtles. The, the one for the burnt offering, the other for the sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So they go, and there's an, they bring a, an offering, which Mary brings the doves, or the, the birds, which lets us know that Mary and Joseph weren't the richest couple in the land. And so this whole prosperity stuff, if you're blessed and favored, you should have things. It ain't biblical. Stop watching those preachers on TV. Because they want your money. <laughs> what did the angel say to Mary? You're blessed and highly favored, right? Among women, the most blessed. But yet she had to bring a couple of pigeons. So, figure it out. <laughs> Luke, we're going to get into the story now. Just a little how I feel about things. <laughs> Luke 2. 22-24. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written that we read in the law of, Mo a law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this is what is going on. And they come to the temple in Jerusalem. It's only about nine kilometers from Bethlehem where they were. And if that's where they're still staying... Um, the internet tells me they can walk that in about two hours, so that's not too bad. Um, they probably walked a little bit quicker than we do, because they did it all the time. Um, so it's not too bad of a trip, not compared to Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. And so they make this trip with a month-old baby or so, 40 days old, and they come to Jerusalem for these two ceremonies. And verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So there's this guy named Simeon, and much like Zacharias from a few weeks ago, he was righteous and devout. So never underestimate the importance of being righteous. Being righteous means living right. Being devout means being committed and faithful. And this is a time before social media. Now we post and share everything, and if someone does something wrong, and they get tagged in something, we see it. And everyone knows about it. I knew a guy that would screenshot stuff and just keep it in his records. Ridiculous. He doesn't go to church anymore. I don't know why. But um, this is how it, it was, or this is how it is now. I mean, people hide, whatever. But this is before that. When you could do stuff and no one would know. There was no no one taking pictures. It's your word against theirs, right? It's a lot easier to do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? You could be very easily say one thing and do another. People did it all the time. That's why Jesus called them out. <laughs> In the Old Testament, um, the story of David and Bathsheba, David would have gone away with it. No one would have known Except that God told Nathan, and Nathan was like, hey, you did this. He would have got away with it. So this is how, you know, it's a lot easier to hide things. But God always sees, and God notices when you're living right. And God sees your faithfulness, and he cares that you're 
to know, whether anyone else sees or anyone else notices. There's all kinds of people that pretend to do one thing and live another, but God sees what we're actually doing and how we actually live. And we can get sometimes frustrated and feel like we're the only ones doing it, because you, you go on Facebook and you see what everyone else is doing or whatever. Uh, we can feel like we're the only one that cares. If you remember the story of Elijah, Elijah's crying out, he's all depressed, and he's like, God, just take me now. And he says, I'm the only one that's living for you. And God's like, actually, you're not. Here's another guy named Elisha. Go be friends with him. And so sometimes it can feel like we're all alone and we're the only ones trying to live right. And, and we can face times and feel like, why even bother? Why even, you know, continue trying to live this way? And it seems like no one else is. Well, don't underestimate the importance of being consistent and, and righteous. In, in living. Don't underestimate the power of faithfulness because God sees it and God is watching. And there are, these are things that anyone can do. Anyone can be faithful. Anyone can live right. We all make decisions every day. You decide what you're going to do. You decide if it's right, you're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing every day. Everyone can make the right choice. Right? Everyone can be faithful, but not everyone does. And a lot of times we focus on the miraculous and the big show and the Sunday service or the camp meeting or all of these things. But if there's one thing I've learned, it, all of, it starts with faithfulness. And it all starts with righteous living. And it all starts with the dedication and commitment to God. You know, all the big moments are cool and whatever. I've been to all kinds of things and I've prayed with people and then six months later, they're gone. And I've seen people dance around and they're gone as soon as it's all over. I went to Bible school with some of them. Right? <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of being faithful and dedicated to God. This is the only way we're going to make it. You know, we like the big things, and they're fun. We like when some guy comes and preaches the paint off the walls or whatever. But it's in our daily life that really matters. And God sees that, and God is watching. God honors people that are faithful to him. Don't underestimate the power of consistent, righteous living, the power of faithfulness. There are things that anyone can do, but we don't always do it. So the Spirit of God is moving on this man, Simeon, the Holy Spirit, it says, long before it's poured out in the book of Acts in chapter 2. Simeon, he's righteous, he's devout, and he's waiting, even patient, if you will. And these are three, uh, three things we need to be to see God work mightily in our lives. We need to be righteous, devout, and patient. Let him work when he wants to work. Yeah, I know, I know he can show up and speak whenever he wants or do whoever he wants. But he also wants these things from us. We've all heard stories of someone just, God, whatever, just showing up and they were in the middle of doing something terrible and God showed up. That doesn't always happen. But we, if we can be faithful, if we can be patient, we can live right, this is what God's expecting of us. It's more likely that he's going to be able to use us and lead us that way. When we get out of, out of whack with any of these things, that's when we get in trouble. 
When we try to get ahead of God, always oh, taking forever. I'm going to do this on my own. I'll deal with myself. Right? We cause problems. If we're unfaithful, we fall into sin, right? If we're unrighteous, we're not doing the right thing. That's when things start to unravel. So these, if there's three things you can be, be these three things. Faithful, righteous, and patient. <laughs> Make you wait for me to say it. Test your patience. And so Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they go to the temple and they meet this guy, Simeon. He's righteous. He's devout. He's waiting on God. Most um, preachers and people assume he's a priest, but the Bible doesn't say that he is a priest. It's one of those things that we add to the story like a donkey or the wise men showing up at the, the manger or even a stable. Right? We like to add things. Um, it doesn't say that he's a priest. It says that Zacharias was a priest. We don't know if he was or not. People assume, but um, they say that maybe he was a priest officiating the ceremonies. Um, some say he was an old man. Uh, it doesn't say that either, but um, tradition says that um, Simeon had been one of the 72 translators of the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. And um, they say that he hesitated over a translation of Isaiah 7 and 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and was about to correct it to uh, a woman shall conceive, and, and the angel appeared to him and told him he wouldn't die until he had seen um, Jesus born of a virgin. That's just tradition. I'm just saying that's what that's not in the Bible. Again, um, that would make him over 200 years old, so I don't know if that's even a thing or not, but um, that's not in the Bible. That's just tradition. Just throwing the note there so you know what people believe, but we're going to go with the Bible. What it says, it doesn't say any of that. I like to think that he wasn't a priest. Um, because God can show up and speak and talk to people who aren't priests. You know, we put a lot of attention and focus on, on the pastors and the preachers and stuff, but God can show up and speak to, to anyone. If the story of Mary and Joseph tells us anything, it's that. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, not the people you would expect, Right? So I like to think that he was, and it doesn't say that he was, so we're going to go with what it says. Uh, verse 26 says, And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God spoke to this guy, Simeon, and told him that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Messiah or the Christ, which is the, the same thing. So people assume that he was old because you know how God likes to make us wait. But it doesn't say that. But the main point is that God had spoken something to Simeon through his spirit. This is what's important. Because Simeon had been faithful, because Simeon had been righteous, God had given him a word through his spirit. And God still speaks to his people. He still impresses things on our hearts. He still confirms his word. He still moves. And some of us here have felt that at times in our lives. We've been faithful, we've been righteous, we live for God some for a very long time, and you've been given a word from God, maybe through prayer or through reading the Bible or through prophecy or something like that, and you've tried to be patient and you've been waiting for it to come to pass, and I just want to remind you this morning, keep holding on to it, keep being faithful, keep living righteously, keep waiting, keep being patient, keep trusting, because God will honor his word. God will work and God will move and God will answer. And sometimes, 
Sometimes, I know we don't want to hear it, but sometimes we don't see it happen. Sometimes, like Abraham or David, it happens long after we're gone. And sometimes, like Simeon, it happens before our eyes. And whether it happens then or, or we never see it, we need to continue being faithful. We need to continue living right and continue trusting and waiting, even if we don't see it happening. Because that's what faithfulness is. It's easy to be faithful when you can see. Right? No one cheats on their spouse while they're in the same room with them. <laughs> How about faithfulness? Right? Because there's a constant reminder. <sighs> Anyways. It's easy to be faithful when you're in the same room. It's easy to be faithful when you can see the person. When you put yourself in the wrong situation, well then, I don't know. But if it's not right in front of you, if it's been a while, it becomes more of a challenge. I'm talking about husbands and wives now. That was just a terrible example. Forget it. But it's easy to be faithful. Hold on to the word of God when you got it this morning. But after time passes, and you're not being constantly reminded, sometimes it's easy to, easier to let go of it. Right? Like Abraham. Oh, you're going to have a son. Yeah, well, it's been a while. So I'm going to do this. And we got a big mess. It's easy to be faithful when you can see, but if it's not right in front of you, it's been a while. It becomes more of a challenge. But Simeon remained faithful. And he held on to that. Verse 27 says, And he came by the Spirit to the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. So not only was Simeon living right and devout and faithful and all of that stuff, not only was he holding on to a word or a promise from God, but he was still allowing God to lead him. It says he came um, in the spirit. Other versions say he was prompted by the spirit or led by the spirit. And just because we have a word from God, it doesn't exempt us from continuing to let him lead. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we get something in a service or a prayer time or whatever, or a moment somewhere, and then we just kick back and relax, and that's all we need for the rest of our lives. Oh, I'm good. That happened a while ago, but I'm just going to hold on to that. Yeah, hold on to it, but keep letting the Spirit lead. Keep letting Him lead us. Keep following the Spirit. If Simeon wouldn't have continued to listen to the Spirit, he would have missed out on this moment. If God gives you something, hold on to it, yes, but keep allowing him to speak into your life, your lives. He would have missed the moment. Mary and Joseph, Jesus and Joseph, they all would have went home, and he wouldn't have seen it. If you want to see the word come to pass, we need to keep listening and following the Spirit. If we trust him enough to speak, we need to trust him enough to lead. And you can see God working here. Again, like he's been the whole time through this, through this whole story, just lining things up. And he tells Simeon, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And he's like, you got to go to the temple now. <laughs> just as Mary and Joseph were arriving. So Simeon sees them. And what we read at the beginning, he took them up, uh, verse 28 to 32. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eye has seen thy salvation, which has Thou hast prepared before the face of all people, and a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people 
Israel. The fancy Latin name for this, because we told you the other ones, is hard to say. Nunc Dimittis, which means now let depart. I like to take the first few words. And so he takes Jesus in his arms and he starts praising God. He says, you've kept your word. I've seen it happen. My eyes have seen your salvation. This line's incredible. He sees a 40-day-old baby and knows this is it. Salvation has come. The salvation for mankind is wrapped up in this little baby. Everything that comes with that. Salvation is in Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we can find salvation. Simeon's eyes had seen a lot of things. He'd maybe been around for a bit just with life and stuff and in general, but it wasn't until he'd seen Jesus that he'd seen salvation. And you can look and look and search and search. The song says for eternity long, but salvation is only found in Jesus. I don't know if you can play or not. You can try. Hold them. Acts 4 and 12, the English standard says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we preach about him. That's why we sing about him. That's why we worship him, because salvation is in his name. Even as a baby, Simeon recognized it. And we've seen it again you know, several times in the story. It's for everyone. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles. That's us. And for glory to your people, Israel. It's for everyone. This is for the Jews and for the Gentiles. Acts 2, it says, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. And the Jews at this time in history were very much us and them. But we've seen it. We've seen him. We've seen it time and time again. Jesus didn't just come for one group. One group of people. Salvation isn't only for one group of people. It's for everyone. All races, all languages, all tribes, all people, all backgrounds. to Mary and he tells her there's going to be hurt and pain for her too and then there's an 84 year old widow prophetess named Anna and she comes out and rejoices too because he's the Messiah and it's just an, it's an incredible moment that only a couple of people catch and a couple of people see it and that seems to be the case with most of this story God is doing these incredible things and he's moving and he's speaking and angels are showing up and he's calling and he's working and most of the people are missing it. They go to the temple to be purified. Simeon, who's probably not a priest, comes. Anna, who's not a priest, 
comes and they see it and they have this moment. There's no record of the priests getting involved. There's no record of them catching it, that this is the Messiah. They're just, whatever. Just ignore it. Think it's some crazy old man and woman. I don't know. I don't know what, what they're doing. But they don't. They miss it. The neighbors miss it. Everyone else at the temple seems to miss it. And this is a time when there hasn't been much happening spiritually. Religion has become very political. And the priests and the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these guys who should be watching and waiting and should have known, they miss it. But they wanted to keep, you know, they wanted to keep their power and authority and position more than anything else. And so they, they miss what God was doing. I mean, there's been a big old star in the sky and guys have followed from the east all over. The shepherds are yelling about seeing angels. There were signs. There were things out of the ordinary. There was a priest that they worked with that couldn't talk for nine months. And all his, old, his wife, an old lady had a baby. All these things happening. Things at the time that would have or should have raised some eyebrows. Prophecy was being fulfilled before their eyes, and for the most part, people just missed it and turned a blind eye. And it's not unlike the day we're living in now. God's working all around us. There's things that are happening in the Bible all around us, and people just ignore it and pretend it's not happening and go about our, our day not really wanting to, to change or, or off the boat or whatever. But the message of Simeon is still the same. Just as true today. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Salvation is still in Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't go another day without experiencing it. Don't miss what God's doing. Don't get distracted by political things. Don't worry about what others are doing or saying, focus on what God is doing and how He is working. And make sure that you experience His salvation. It's wrapped up in Jesus. His life, His death on the cross, His burial, His resurrection. Repent, baptize, fill with His Spirit. His example, His life, His salvation. And so, as we go into this new year, Take some time and focus on what really matters. I know my whole family's up here on the show. Maybe you're distracted. What really matters is Jesus and the salvation that He's freely given to us. We got all these other things, you know, worried about rules and restrictions and all that, and we can get caught up in all of that stuff. The whole point of the Christmas season was the cross. Everything points to that. And I think as we start this new year, it's good for us to remember that. And focus on that and make sure we focus on the right thing. My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Keep our eyes on the right thing. If you need salvation today, Jesus is here. If you've wandered, Jesus is here. If you need to be rededicated to him today, Jesus is here. If you want to get baptized, let us know. If you want the Holy Ghost, He can fill you with His Spirit today. We're going to, let's stand. We're going to take some time in prayer.
know this has been a little, little all over the place maybe, but I am slightly distracted at the moment. You know it's wants to preach. Remember we can just take some time this morning and, and thank him for this. And if you need to experience salvation, all you need to do is repent, worship him. Let him fill you with the Spirit. If you want to be baptized, we can do that. So, salvation is still in Jesus. Let's remember that as we go into our new year. Let's take some time and pray and thank Him for, for that today. In Jesus' name.